welcome to episode 60 of the Daniel Yours podcast with today's guest, Simon Dutton. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Simon Dutton. Simon, thanks for being here, man. I know that it's a little bit late, so I appreciate you making the time work all the way from Hong Kong. No, mate, no problem at all. As I said just before coming on the air, I, I, I love I love podcasting. I love the art form of it. it I love I love long form conversations. If there's anything I'll lose sleep over, it's this. And like I did a recording at one a.m. on Friday. Um, I've got another one late tomorrow. So like always happy to help. Yeah, and and like we were just mentioning, one of the benefits of lockdown is that time becomes almost non-existent. It's like it doesn't matter if things happen in the middle of the night, in the morning, in the afternoon. It's like I can just sleep at any time. I can figure it all out. So we can we can it's, find it's the, the little bit of the good side in it. Is this a podcast I'm allowed to swear or do you, are, you, are you family friendly? Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. Like my sleep pattern would be so fucked after this, 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 like I've got into a routine of certainly Mondays, I'll do my session in the morning, I'll do all my online check-in work on a Monday and that'll be like midnight to 1am and then like, I'll, I'll, then I'll go on to the next day and then because I'm in that routine, I'll start sleeping in, having naps in the middle of the day, not sleeping at night. Like lockdown is, is, is really is just, it destroys your routine. Like, yeah. That's the one thing that I, that I don't, I really don't like about it. Yeah. I remember but previous to all of the COVID stuff, I was training only in person. And so it was, you know, steady 4.30, 4am wake ups. And that was like, it became, I don't want to say easy because like, it's never easy to wake up that early, but it became familiar. And then the first yeah. time I had to do it after the lockdown was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that I was doing this every single day. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I did it. I did it today. I had like, so because I've had... I've had a lot of clients that are moving to Hong Kong, more clients that are getting, um, but I'm living in Hong Kong for people that are listening and wondering where I am. Um, but I, I've had clients that are moving away from Hong Kong, but clients that are more like concerned as the case numbers grow here. So my, my, the numbers have started dwindling on the one-to-one side. So I've, I've now started to condense those people to certain days. So now it's even worse. We'll have days where I'm sleeping until like nine, 10 o'clock and then days where I'm up at like 6 a.m. and those 6 a.m. feel so much worse. Yeah. I got into a good routine again for a while of um, getting up early regardless of the day. But the last couple of weeks, this lockdown got to me a bit mentally that I was just sort of like, ah, just what, I'll just hit snooze. It'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a fair thing to say and an important thing to say that, you know, fitness people, whatever, we're not perfect. We we fall victim to the, the things that happen to everyone else of getting out of routine and getting like we're just people too. And I think it's, it sounds silly to say it like to you, but you know, it's, it's important for other people to realize that we make mistakes and we are imperfect as well. It's the biggest problem I see. I've, I've you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time looking at obviously coaching on social media. I've spent years mentoring coaches in, in various parts of the world. And one of the biggest drawbacks is that a lot of coaches aren't relatable. Mm. They come from bodybuilding background. They either generally aren't relatable. Like they, they live on chicken, broccoli, rice, bodybuilding shows. And they're always in prep. Or, or they are they come across unrelatable because they feel they've got to portray this perfect image. I remember I had a, a, a girl who got an amazing result. She looked like 150 kilo deadlift. She lost about 40 kilos of weight. And the time she said to me, the time I realized how that I could do this, like times I gained belief, is when you were dieting and you told you told me your coach gave you a pizza. And that that resonated with me. I was just like, do you know what? It's like being make it understand clients understand that I'm I'm just like you. We're no different. But the difference is that I learn how to prioritize things or find balance with things depending on the goal I have at the time. Yeah. There's no there's no difference. And I think a lot more coaches should spend more time trying to relate and empathize with their clients and less time trying to 
look like this alpha male shredded Instagram dude. Yeah. That's I, I, never been me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's like some people get caught in the trap of trying to impress their peers rather than trying to help people that they're actually trying to help. And it's like that. Yeah. I like, you know, seeing other people who are way ahead of me in fitness and bodybuilding. Like I like to see that stuff as well, but as a coach, I like to see that stuff. But if I was like a client and looking to get in shape, I wouldn't want to hire someone who's like always on that because it's way too many levels ahead of me. And their life is so different than my life that I wouldn't imagine that they could actually help me. Or, 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 or you you feel even more that you say something so unattainable and out of your reach. Yeah. If every personal trainer you look at on Instagram looks like they just really, really, all their workouts are beast mode. They can't wait to go to the gym every day and they just can't wait to have the next chicken and broccoli fix. You go, well, they're, they're just so different to me. And yeah. that's why they get results. When in reality, that's not exactly the case at all. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people are like that. And, and you know, being a real person is is extremely valuable and coaching real people right you're not coaching robots you're not coaching textbooks we can all recite this stuff in the textbook but that none of that stuff tells you how to speak to the human that's in front of you it's more it's more rewarding coaching humans as well yeah totally right? like you, you, you what you do is life-changing we have a bigger impact on obesity and health than than most doctors will because we see people so frequently and people will come to us more often than not going to see the doctor yeah. so I, I think there's a huge impact and power of what we do and not taking anything away from strength coaches or bodybuilding prep coaches. I think that's awesome. But like, you know, I, I, I've done some comp prep clients and it's cool. It's fun. But you do get that thing at the end of the day where they go, thanks. And then they go on and probably go to another coach. Yeah. Like I've had multiple coaches. Right. Yeah. Cause for no, them it's a business transaction, right? It's not, it's not like a lifestyle change for them. Or a learning experience. It's a, yeah. tra- it's a trainer wanting to see what, I want to know what this person's programming is. And then I won't go re-sign with them because I'm going to find out what another coach's program is going to be. Yeah. And whereas a, uh, someone who's brand new to this, he, he, there's so much more to it. And there's so much more behind why they want to get shape or why they need to get in shape in some cases. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Changing, having impacts on people's lives is much more important. And I want to keep going with this, but we're, we're already six minutes in. I just want to give you a chance to <laughs> introduce yourself, uh, <laughs> tell people kind of like, you know, who you are and what does he do? Obviously you're a trainer living in Hong Kong, but, but give us the, give us the lowdown here. Cool. I think, I think nothing sums me up more than a chat box. that doesn't even let myself introduce myself. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, for just so um, in a nutshell, my name's Simon. I've been in the personal training industry now close to 11 years. Um, so I'm an old, old veteran in the industry now, um, started off, um, working in a Thai boxing gym in like Wolverhampton. That's a really old story. Didn't fit in there. Didn't know where my niche sort of was. Um, and then ended up through uh, many, many gyms working for a very, very well-known global personal training company. Um, names shall stay redacted, but people can probably work out who it is. Um, and I, I rose to the ranks there to becoming a mentor um and in turn then eventually moving over here to hong kong to run education for asia for that gym so i spent a lot of time coaching coaches mentoring trainers and getting these crazy body transformations with uh with average people people that in a way i I got a reputation while of getting great results for people that know how to get great results i used to laugh in my old gym that like, you know, you see this big six foot four jack guy come in, you knew which trainers are coming for. You see this like smoking hot supermodel, you know which trying they're coming for. And then you see this person sliding their foot with a like diabetic needle in their arm, scoliosis, wandering in with an I heart veganism shirt. And it's like, ah, you're here for Simon. But <laughs> I, I think that that really helped me learn to how to work around a wide array of clients and gave me experience that I, I wouldn't have had if I didn't throw myself into the deep end 
And I've got plenty of stories of how hard I worked in the early stages of my career. Um, and then since even that, that company, I think now it's, I'm that, now just trying to find where my niche was. The vision was going to be going down the education route and, and going more into education trainers and giving, trying to give Georgia Shallow some competition. But um, it, I think for me, everything changed when I actually watched the latest James Bond movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. Good. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't love the way it ended, but we won't, we no. won't spoil it, but. No, we will spoil it. Sorry, okay. spoilers alert here because it's a big part of the story. I left that movie so unbelievably angry. Um, I thought, who, and last spoiler warning here, who kills off James Bond in a James Bond movie? Unbelievable. And I sat there and I look back at the number of movies now that are getting rid of male role models for the sake of equality. And I can't remember who said this phrase, is that equality is bringing more chairs to the table, not cutting the legs out from the chairs that already exist. Mm. And I started looking at like, you know, some of the issues I faced growing up and then, and also just seeing how male, male mental health now is the suicide is the biggest death in men under 40. Um, and that I think male mental health is becoming a bigger issue and it will become a bigger issue in years to come. So that's where I, I sort of transitioned my coaching a little bit into, and my podcast into helping men gain confidence by getting them their first six pack. I think it's a, it's a goal that most guys should tick off their bucket list. And I want to be able to do that with my clients in the healthiest way possible and be able to maintain some level of results long-term, which is another thing in the industry I've seen too much of people getting slammed with ridiculous low-calorie, low-carb diets for years and years on end. So in a nutshell, that's sort of sort of me and where I am in the industry. I know there's a lot to unpack there, but I've, 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 I've worn a lot of hats over the last 10, 11 years. Yeah, and, and it's probably what makes you such a great coach is, is not taking on early in your career those easy clients. Person who's already in shape, pretty well experienced in the gym, that's a relatively easy client. You're not trying to change or undo a lot of behavior. You're just optimizing things, which is fun and has its own challenges and, and it's great, but it's a lot easier than taking that person who is metabolically unhealthy, never been to a gym, doesn't doesn't eat healthy at all, eats lots of take takeout and junk food. Like that is a bigger challenge, but that that's how you're going to learn a lot more. Yeah. I think I think I think for me as well when I when I what was I was obsessed in the early stage of my career. I I I I saw an advert for that gym uh, that I wanted to work at when I was at university. I was like, right, that's the place I want to grow and want to learn. It's the, it's the best of the best or certainly was at the time. And I worked really, really hard to get myself there. And then when I did, I, um, for anyone that doesn't know um, the UK, I live just outside a town or city called Wolverhampton, just outside Birmingham. And this gym was only in London at the time. And I used to travel a two and a half hour commute each way, um, six days a week. Wow. So the hours that I worked and the, the, the amount of clients that I took on to try and learn, I was like, I, I probably did about four years worth of uh, personal training clients in the first two years of me being there. Um, partly through circumstance, partly through the, the, the place wasn't um, as developed and as organized as it is potentially now. Um, and, and I was one of the only interns. So I just did every client I could get my hands on. And I think, I think it's, it's something that more coaches should look at doing. You know, especially early on in the career, you know, we have now have the online training bubble is, is bigger than ever, but we have a lot of people that have never set foot on the gym floor coaching mm -hmm. people online. And what happens when that client says they've got a niggle in their shoulder or their elbow? And if they don't know how to do it themselves, they don't know how to actually efficiently load their tricep or don't know how to change foot position and hasn't seen 
way people move and there's a hundred different clients and hundred different body shapes. And um, I, 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 I feel very proud of the fact that I did a lot of time and still do work on the gym floor. Yeah. Putting in the work on the gym floor and like kind of grinding through those 60, 70, 80, hundred hour weeks is it's hard, obviously, and I don't think it's a good long-term strategy for anyone, but it is, it is almost necessary to like bump up your career a little bit because you can only learn by doing this stuff. We, we kind of mentioned before we started recording is like, you can learn all this stuff through the textbook. Like it's, it's pretty easy. Everyone knows, everyone can read an anatomy textbook. Everyone can read a biomechanics textbook. I can recite to you the physiology and all that stuff, but that doesn't matter. It's the, it's the person in front of you. And it's like, how do I tailor to what's going on here? So in light of COVID, a lot of people who just starting their training career want to do online training, thinking that, oh, this is great. All I got to do is send off a program. Here's your exercises, do squats, bench press, blah, 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 blah. That is like the the least, that is the easiest part of coaching and almost the least impactful. And it's, it's way harder to coach people online than it is in person because you can't see those interactions. So how does their knee move when they do this squat? What's going on with their elbow while they're pressing or whatever the case may be? Why does it hurt them? Because you can't really make those instantaneous adjustments and you can't actually coach. You're just giving instruction and then letting it ride. And, and even like, like using that example of just do squats, just do bench press, because people think you should have to do squats, bench and dead to get a great shape. And bench press for majority of people is a terrible chest exercise. Yeah, yeah. Squats are a terrible quad exercise. Someone's got long femurs, long arms and a flat rib cage. Then, you know, you can sit there and go, wow, they're doing all this bench press. And why are they growing a chest? It's the worst exercise in the world for it. Yeah. Um, so, but you learn that, you learn that from the gym floor. Like, like certainly biomechanics stuff is I see a lot of people, it's the big fads these days of, of, of learning exercise mechanics. And I've seen all sorts of people thinking exercise mechanics is there to make things easier. No, it done right. It's to make things brutally hard. Yeah. I, I in, and people all, all the other way around where people start doing this, like, well, I've got to make sure I leave 54 reps in reserve um, <laughs> for hypertrophy. And I'm like, I, I, I don't, there's a pet hate of mine is people saying that beginners should leave one rep in reserve. I have no that. idea what that means. Exactly. Yeah. It, what, what is what they think is one rep in reserve is 14 reps in reserve. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm a very big fan of challenge sets and actually taking somebody to that point of failure will do them more good than harm if you do it safely in the right way. I'm not saying train someone stupidly hard and out of position and out of their active range, but I'm saying once you find their ranges, Train them really, really hard in it because mentally it'll help them as well as physically and you'll find what a true warm-up reserve is. Yeah. And then later down the line, if you want to train into that, fantastic, fair enough. Do Go nuts. Yeah, I think this is almost a, a cause of social media and and, and I, I don't want to blame TikTok, but there's a lot of fitness stuff on TikTok that takes things out of context. So talking about reps in reserve and because the content is so quick, you'll see, oh, you know, train to one rep in reserve, do this optimal pull down, do this optimal squat. And these things that like, they, they make sense, but only if you understand all of the underlying factors there. So someone watching it, going to the gym, be like, oh, I was supposed to, you know, so-and-so on TikTok or whatever said, train my squat to one rep in reserve. You have no idea what that means. You don't know what the optimal angles are because you're just basing it off a video that you watched for eight seconds. This what's isn't, what's this the is perfect not- squat? <laughs> and people exactly. say, like, you should squat like a baby. I was like, well, when my head grows that big, then I'll squat like a baby. Yeah. And... Um, but I, I, I don't really know what goes on TikTok. As, as, as I said earlier, I'm an 11 year veteran. I don't know what a TikTok is. I've never been on a TikTok. 
Um, I thought there were those little mints and little packet. That's Tic Tacs. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I've never been on TikTok in my life. I, I don't intend to. I've used it a bit and it's just, it's, it seems very immature to me, but it's just super fast. And, and I see a lot of it reposted on, on Instagram more than anything, but, but this is just social media in general. Not, it's not the fault of TikTok, but. Do you uh, think, I know we're going, it might be going off, going off on a huge tangent. Do you think that's worrying our attention spans are now so low that even 60 seconds on Instagram is too long? Yeah, I do. I do. And, I, and I've noticed it with my own content. If I post something, if I post a reel that's longer than 15 seconds, it gets exceptionally lower views than anything less than 15 seconds. I am so glad that podcast podcasting is something that's still booming. That there are still people in the world that like long form content and deep conversation over sound bites. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's, and that's, I'm sure this is the reason why you started your podcast as well, or part of it anyways, but this is the biggest reason I started. Cause it's like, I can't, I don't want to compete on this like fast attention grabbing thing on social media. That is not for me. I don't, I don't have that in me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to be part of that. I'll use it because I have to, but that's not where I'm going to spend most of my effort. Cause that's not the best way to help people. That's just getting the message out, give little quick hits here and there. And that's that. But this is where we can, this is where we can actually actually educate people. Tot- totally agree. I think the podcast is, is I want to do a podcast for five odd years. When I first launched in the podcast, me and Ben Coomer in the podcast space, I wish I'd started then. And for various reasons, you know, previous company didn't want me doing it. Um, lack of confidence, just bottling it and not doing it myself. But it was generally the best thing I did last year, other than propose to my fiance. Yeah. Um, but I, it, it just opens the doors to having such great conversations. I've learned so much in the last year from some phenomenal people and had deep conversations with people I probably wouldn't have had good deep conversations with. And I think, I think there's so much to that in life of having real conversation with people, like rather than what's the weather, how's it going, how do you find this lockdown stuff? I'm like, oh, just like, there's more to life than this. And I think, I think podcasting is generally my favorite form um of media and i also think it's probably the most important form of media in a world that is so plagued by sound bites and out of context comments that having a deep conversation we can get beyond all that is i think so powerful in today's world yeah it's very important and you realize how how much you can learn from everyone when you have a long conversation with it i think you know as trainers we get very close with our clients because we spend multiple hours a week one-on-one with them in in person and I've always said, you know, there's not many people in your life who you have three hours of one-on-one conversation with in your life, even if it's even if it's your spouse or your, your brother, sister, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever. And and yeah, sure, you're not just like shooting the shit all the time while you're training. You're training and talking, but you're you know you're sharing stories and stuff like that as well. And and in the podcast, it's the same. It's like we're gonna sit down and talk for an hour plus or whatever. And there's not that many people that you just sit down and just talk without doing something else, or you're going somewhere. Yes. You have to be there with them. hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. I think, yeah, it's, it is, it's a really unique and it's, it's also, it also is a, it's, it's content that has, um, you know, not really going into the business side much, but like, that's definitely not my area of expertise, but there's compound interest. It's like YouTube. People can find old podcasts, people can find old um, um, podcasts or YouTube videos, but trying to find my first video on Instagram, it's not worth the effort. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. It It has some, some lasting impact as well. Um, and, and I think that, you know, going back to talking, circling things back to the, to the confidence stuff. So when, when we're, when we're having these conversations, we get to have like real human interactions. I think that the confidence in men is a thing that is certainly lacking. And it's something that we definitely as a collective society, like don't talk about and has likely been exacerbated by all things lockdown. 
Now, I'm of the belief that training prepares us for hard things in life. Like we were just talking about training to failure or training really hard and not pretend hard like, oh my God, look how sweaty I am. I broke a sweat. Ooh. Like that's not training hard. Like let's train hard and like, you know, your legs are shaking and you're screaming and that's, that's training hard. I think that that prepares us for all the other hardships in life, be it a lockdown, be it losing your job, be it whatever it might be. So I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that and what you've seen through people see changes through people through the lockdowns i mean through the lockdowns i'll, I'll go into in a second but i don't want to touch on your point about the power of training in this mm-hmm. i think it, it's a unique thing learning to do a body transformation let's say that includes obviously that includes some training that includes dieting it teaches you so many skills that can take over into the real world and there's very 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 few endeavors in life where you truly get out what you put in like Fat loss, we'll use fat loss as an example, is a consistency game. You find a deficit, you stay into it, you delay gratification, you work hard, you get rewarded. You can work hard in a job for a promotion and someone plays the game better than you and gets that promotion even though you've worked harder. You could do everything in your life to be uh, more attractive to a certain member of the opposite sex for them still to turn you down. It's very rare you get an endeavour in life that really does, like, you get out what you put in. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many things that I've seen huge transformations in, in clients from the, in other areas of life, from the lessons they learn from doing a body transformation, like try and do a body transformation without having an all right structure in terms of when you're going to train, when you're going to do your meal prep, when you're going to do your cardio, when your meals are going to be, and you'll find someone that finds it much more difficult than they need to. That's going to carry over into day-to-day life and into their work being able to push out of your comfort zone and get uncomfortable and learn to be okay with being uncomfortable. Same reason why I don't do it personally very often, but the reason why ice therapy is quite exciting a prospect because it teaches you to sit in discomfort yeah. and learn to be okay with that. Same with getting on a hard set of pendulum squats. And I think, so you've got delayed gratification, you've got pushing at your comfort zone, you've got the importance of being consistent the importance of being patient, all these things have huge impacts on every other avenue of life. Um, and I think I think it is that like no other. Um, from a lockdown perspective and the change I seem to in lockdown in terms of confidence, I think oh, it's, it's, it, it, the thing, when you talk about male's confidence or just anyone's confidence, really, it's it, there are obviously you're looking at trends, right? And it's very difficult to speak specifically because what, what stresses me out and what flaws me, you might not find an issue at all, and vice versa. And I know that I've gone through a few lockdowns now, and some of them I've, you know, from my own personal perspective, some of them have not knocked me at all, and this one has, has, has really mentally knocked me for six. Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily like, under, like trying to say, you know, we need to sort these particular problems that cause stress in people or anxiety or confidence issues in people. It's like, one, getting into a position where more people are feel comfortable speaking their problems and communicating them because it's hard to come up with a solution if you don't know there's a problem. Um, and then look at ways of improving those sort of things. You know, when I, when I, look, at, when I look at stress and when I teach to, to my coaches stress, um, stress physiology, we're looking at, I always look at it like a cup. If I'm filling up, filling up a cup of water, 
you've got two things. So if I if my water's down here and it's like hardly hardly got any filling whatsoever, you've got loads of room to fill up with an, a calorie deficit, high training volume, you know, mental stress, all this other sort of stuff, cardio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, insert stuff here. But if it's overflowing, we haven't got much room to add to that. And this mm. is where a lot of coaches that just go down the route of bigger calorie deficit, more volume all the time run into problems because they're just overflowing this thing. So we've got two options in these, in this, this, these examples. We either pour some water out of the glass, and that's like trying to eliminate some stresses that are unnecessary, learning what we can control, what we can't control, trying to sort some of the things out, trying to eliminate some of those stresses, or we get a bigger cup. And the bigger cup is like your meditation, your journaling, getting a hobby, things that allow right. you to perceive things differently. And I'll give you an example. I had a client recently who I worked with online a number of years ago and got a great result and built his food up. He was in a really good position. And he stopped training with me and went to a, um, you know, a fairly well-known personal training company that I shall not name again. Um, and and they, they, they stuck him on low-carb, 1,200 calories for over a year. Wow. Guy. Right. And and like in in those sort of situations, I he, he came back to me, you know, relatively recently. And you know, his thyroid was in the pan, his testosterone was in the pan. It was just he was picking up niggles from his training because he wasn't recovering. So I my my first job was like, right, I need to empty some of this cup. So I, in, in this situation, first thing I did was increase his food. The second thing I did was drop his training volume. Hey, yeah. presto, he's got in better shape. His injuries are getting better. His star is in a better place. He's getting hungrier and he's, and he's losing weight. Um, but it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes people dig themselves in a hole that's much harder to get out. Yeah. I know. I think that's an, that's an amazing example of the cup and how increasing the size of the cup is something that is not often really thought about. It's always about reducing stress, reducing stress. And that is important. And if there's things that are like really bogging you down, like you got to manage those and get rid of them, but you can also increase your resiliency to dealing with that stress through training, through meditation and through all these things. And I think building up your confidence, you would probably agree is one of those things, the confidence in your ability to deal with these so that when something stressful is coming or you feel something stressful coming on, you don't start to panic and think like, Oh my God, okay, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. What's going to happen. It's like, Nope, I'll just, you know, I'll I'll deal with what I can roll with it and then let the chips fall as they may and, and continue on with your life. And I think that what you started saying at the beginning of that, where strength training is like fully within our control. It's very much where you get out what you put in, like you just said, where there's not, there's not like a lot of things like that. So having that internal locus of control and knowing that we can control these outcomes that we want is a powerful thing. And it's also a difficult thing because we've so often been told that things are out of our control. Oh, you're, you're obese because of your genetics. You're this because of your job. It's this because of that. And it's like, okay, those things certainly play a factor or or are a factor and play a role, but they're indirectly playing a role. You're obese because you eat too much and move too little. That's the, 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 the bare bones reason why. Now there may be other factors that are causing you to eat too much and move too little, but that's really what we've got to get after. Yes. And I think, I think going back to sort of like, you know, you talk about the, the bigger cup of thing, I think it's not often spoke about. I think a part of that's because a lot of these things seem so hippie and it, people mm-hmm. automatically assume that's meditation, that's journaling. It doesn't have to be. It could be getting a hobby, getting something that you enjoy that's not related to your work, reading a book that's not based around finance or personal training or, you know, like whatever. Just yeah. something that allows your, your brain to shut off. And I also, when you're thinking of these things, it's like, what is optimal and what's practical? 
and it, it goes back to this analogy of um, we talk about the the coaches that go straight online and know how to do things on paper. Um, you know, and they get a stressed out partner in a law firm, three kids, uh, and they're not sleeping eight hours a night, and they're a bit of advice was, well, how are you going to sleep eight hours a night? So well, that ain't happening. So yeah. how about you take 400 milligrams of magnesium? How about you get some blue light blocking glasses because you're going to be on your screens? So let's damage the rotation. And if we can find some time to sort the actually get you to sleep down the line, we can, but I'm not going to sit there trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. I'm working with what 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 you have and what you can do. Um, and I, I, think, I think that's something that a lot of people don't do. And, and it's tough, right, from a coach perspective, because you see what the potential is for them. And sometimes when you look at clients, you see they're not prioritizing it. Sometimes mm-hmm. they physically can't, but sometimes they're not prioritizing it. But it, you can only do so much. You can only bring a horse to water. You can't make them drink. Yeah, and that's and that's where the coaching aspect I think comes into this, where it's not just giving instructions, it's coaching that person. So it's up to us as a coach to understand whether they actually can't or if they're refusing to for some reason. And that's where the that's where the shift is. But if you can get that person to start prioritizing something that will help them, that's a huge win. And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a big thing, right? All of these small changes, going to sleep a little bit earlier, moving a little bit more, getting a few more steps throughout the day, eating one extra serving of vegetables a week, like, you know, whatever, whatever it is, these very kind of low hanging fruits to each person, but you've got to tailor that to each individual and find those, find what the low hanging fruit is for that person. Maybe they're so against eating vegetables because when they were a kid, their mom forced them to eat vegetables and they hate it. And that's like a thing that whatever, whatever the case may be, where now it's like, they just really don't like eating vegetables. Okay. We'll get there, but not, not today. Let's, let's work on something else that we have a lower barrier to getting at. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it is saying it's a hard thing to do as a coach because I find myself doing this as well. Like, okay, I want to find where the best thing is. I, I write what's best on paper and then I will scale back to where is practical. Yeah. But in, in, in one of the biggest lessons I think I've ever I've ever learned as a coach is expect being able to learn. And it's a skill that's something I'm always getting better at is learning how to manage expectations. Um, because there's got to be a point a lot of the times where client where trainers become a renter friend mm. and that's that's something that's, that's you know people fall into where they don't want to upset the clients they don't want to have those different conversations and they want their clients to like them and don't worry, I, I would like to think most of my clients like me um maybe not all of them but you know i'd like to think most of them do but i, I, I the way i transitioned my way of thinking with this was that nothing will make a client dislike you more than feeling like you've wasted their time and money and so I, I, I always look at being able to go, if we're going to scale back on what you can do, there is a certain amount of stuff we can do to solve problems that allow you to get the goals at the rate that we agreed. But if we're going to compromise this, you've got to understand that it's going to compromise this. It's going to compromise that rate of goal. If you're okay with that, that's cool. We can make this easier, but understand this may take a little bit longer. If you're okay with that, this is your goal. You know, this is a Harry Potter novel. Uh, You are Harry, I am Dumbledore. This is your story. I'm just here to help you facilitate that journey. But if you just have to know that, and I think that's something that I've, I think not only it's something that trainers need to learn more, um, and I'm still learning to perfect, but also from a client perspective is that learning that, learning it's okay to 
to, to not always be beast mode and you don't always have to look like the cover of men's health. But also if you do want to look like the cover of men's health, it's absolutely fine saying it and don't let any anti-diet culture agenda tell you otherwise. Yeah, we're going to get into that anti-diet culture in a second Good. but what i want to <laughs> but but i want to just nail down on on this managing of expectations because the way that i think about it is you can you can get whatever results you want like we just mentioned before it's well within your control you can get whatever results you want you want so long as you're willing to do the things that are necessary to get those results you want to have 4% body fat and and whatever you can do that but here's what it's going to here's what it's going to require are you willing to do those things if yes then let's proceed. If not, then we need to switch the goal because we can't be aiming at something and then doing things that are not going to get us there, right? How how often do, how often have you have you heard a client say something like? And I'll give you a couple of examples. Say something like, "I want to get leaner, but I don't want to lose any more weight." Uh, I've never heard, I've, I've, I don't think I've ever heard of that one specifically, but I have heard uh, some like quite quite guys, excessive ones. Yeah, when they get close to a, a not so a decade, but when they get close to a ten, we get close to a zero number. They don't want to go below 70 or they don't want to go below 60. They don't want to go below 80. I don't want to lose any more weight. I just want to lose some more body fat. Okay, cool. We need to set some expectations here. Yeah. Or, or a very common one is um, oh, attacking foods too time consuming. Okay, cool. We can give you a meal plan. Meal plan, I need more variety. Take your pick. You <laughs> yeah. know, if you, if you want to be single digits body fat, which let's assume this client does. If you don't, you just want to look down the shower and be able to see your feet. You know, then, 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 we can do this without tracking, 100%. Yeah. But if you want to look insanely lean, you just got to understand at some point there's got to be an attention to detail in this. Now, we can. it doesn't mean you have to track, but it means you now have to have something where some form of thing where you eat roughly the same thing every single day. So if you're not tracking, we know it's consistent and we can yeah. adjust. Yeah. If you don't want to have that, you can have more variety, but you're just going to need to track it. I don't mind which you do. But here are your options, yeah. option A or option B, because otherwise it just becomes this thing where I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too. And one of, and I generally believe this, one of the worst things that's happened to fitness marketing is the word sustainable is used too often. Mm. Do not like it. Do not like it at all. And I'm not saying to scare anyone off if they, they, they listen to this and was thinking about getting coached by Loudmouth Simon before, uh, before I said that. I'm not saying dieting has to be horrible. You want to find a way of making it as as as, as enjoyable as possible in the process. But I think when people go into sustainable, this is a lot of people go into it with this mindset. This is my way of trying to get all the results with half the work. Mm. And dieting isn't meant to be sustainable, Physi- physiologically and mentally. Yeah, mentally being in a deficit forever, you've got this thing where you're going to have guilt around food, which isn't healthy. You've always got to feel that you've got to control yourself. You've always got to be thinking. Physiologically, you, if you're in a deficit for too long, we see things like testosterone go down, thyroid go down. It's just it's, it's inevitable. Neat goes down, right? The, the, being in a deficit long term doesn't help you out. You want to fluctuate between those things. So you want to use your diet as to get it done. I'm going to lose this amount of weight in this amount of time, get it done, then bring yourself back up to maintenance calories. And that's when you find the sustainability. Now, because if anyone's listening to this that's looking to embark on a, you know, a fat loss transformation at any point in the near future, the habits you have now, what you value will be different to the you that's 10 to 15 kilos lighter. So when we're looking at sustainable right now, you like going out drinking three, four nights a week. You like pizza Fridays. 
Now, you may get lean and go, what do you want back? You may want the pizza Fridays. You may want a night out. And that's cool. We add that back in. But right now, you like to do all of those things. If all of those things were something that was a non-negotiable for you to have a sustainable diet, they are the habits that's keeping you stuck in the place where you don't want to be. Yeah. So you need that kickstart to get yourself out and into new habits. And when you get there, find out what you miss, find out what you truly value, and then you build a lifestyle phase around that. And I think when people go in with that mindset of on day one, say, I want a sustainable approach, you, you can see where this is going. You can see it's like, ah, well, I'm a bit tired and I, I, my office had cookies. and I, I want this to be sustainable, so I had some. Yeah. And that's fine, but not every time you felt a bit hungry. Yeah. Every time your, you know, donuts were in the office. Because this is this is the reason why you got to where you were. And and I, I think I think if we can get rid of that word in the fitness market space, and I know I'm rambling now, but like if you get rid of those words in the fitness market space and allow people to actually get set expectations from the off, um, they'd un, they'd have more belief in what they could achieve. They'd see more results through and not end up in this diet limbo where they're bored of dieting, but they've not committed enough to finish the diet. So they end up in this, I'm not lean enough to stop dieting, but I'm bored of dieting and don't want to do it anymore. Like you've seen that with clients, because I certainly have. Yeah. But yeah. people end up like they, they didn't they didn't actually commit to it, so they ended up losing the first five ten kilos, and they just sort of end up stagnant for a while. That is not good for anyone, yeah. coach nor client. I think I think the the danger with this, and and this is actually an interesting thing because I didn't really think about that word sustainable, but I've had these these same similar thoughts where people kind of get into this sustainable long term whatever approach, but they kind of just half ass it the whole way through, and so they might get a bump of results early on because when you start you know you change some stimulus you know you'll have some results but then nothing really changes and then you're just you've been dieting for eight months and you've lost you know four kilos ten pounds like that's not that's not that's not fast enough kind of thing and maybe it is for some people but but if if your goal is to be dieting your goal is to lose four kilos right and then that's about setting expectations if you if if you are happy with that but don't go into this thinking i want to lose 20 kilos but I want to do all of the things I did before. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I almost think that going into like a heart dieting specifically, I think this is mostly specific to diet, but mm-hmm. dieting is almost more of an advanced thing for most people. Let's just focus on lifestyle, eating healthier whole foods and, and let's just fix that. Chances are there will be some weight loss if you want. Now, when you're comfortable and ready for that, then we can almost do a more aggressive and shorter diet phase where it might be six weeks, might be eight weeks. We can, we can kind of go hard at it for a little bit and then introduce our sustainable, again, there's that word, but sustainable, but actual life, not sustainable fat loss, just your regular life. Because that Hmm. should be, that has to be sustainable because you've got to do that for forever. But your goal forever is not to be losing weight perpetually all the time. Your goal should be get down or get to the body composition you like and then stay there. Maintenance, just be there for the rest of time, if that's what you want and when you want to get a little bit bigger, whatever, but you want to stay there that, and that your regular lifestyle can include going out and drinking beer and having pizza. And that should, and, and can be sustainable because that's, that's for me. sorry, that certainly does include that for me. Yeah. But like, I also think when you say about like, I think the dieting is an advanced thing for people, uh, a full diet. And like, it doesn't necessarily diet doesn't necessarily have to be aggressive to go all in. Like right. you could lose a percent, of your body weight per week, which is a you know a fairly quick um, diet, and it's what most of my transformations are. And you know, 
or you could use half a percent and take twice as long. It, I, I think I think the same rules apply in that in terms of like you you just have the expectation of what you need to do to get there are slightly different, and as long as you're going committing to those goals rather than not committing to either of those goals, it can be slower, it can be longer. The the the, the, the duration is based on you. And while looking at this as like dieting is an advanced thing, I think in some ways yes. Because a lot of people come in from a position where they're overly stressed, can't generate intense in the gym, move poorly, may have gone yo-yo dieting for years. So we need to get them to a point where you know they're health-wise in a good state. If someone's yeah. sleeping one hour a night, stressed out, they've been low-carb dieting on 800 calories for a year, yeah, it's an advanced thing for them. We need yeah. to get them to a point where they give the body a rest, allow the body to say, Do you know what, it's okay, we can let go of some of this body fat and then go into a diet. But for people who are just... They just overeat, right? They never paid attention to it before. They're just eating too much. I don't think dieting is an advanced thing. And if you look at the research that, you know, people think this is big misconception that more aggressive dieting is um, is damaging for people and will mean that you won't have any long-term weight loss. It's this thing of like quicker off, quicker gain back. Now, while... Over the long term, that may be true. If you do a really aggressive diet for like six to ten months or whatever else, yeah, I agree. You're losing tissue. You're gonna, you know, you 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 go more aggressive than you need to. But if someone's healthy, a short-term aggressive kickstart or a short-term period of diet isn't going to do any harm. Just make sure that you're monitoring symptoms and signs and things that that's going wrong. And a lot of research has shown very clear that people get who get initial wins and drop a lot of weight in the early stages, tend to keep weight off better long-term because there's now built momentum, which means it's the process. They start to learn to enjoy the process. And a lot of the guys that I work with, I will generally go uh, on the aggre- more aggressive side for a multiple of reasons. But it's for the main reason, it's simpler. Mm-hmm. Like if I go, here's your protein target, here's a calorie target, we're assuming you can't track foods well. So if I give you... I don't know, 600 calories, you're probably eating 2,000. Whereas if I give you 2,400, you're probably eating 2,800. So then there's that margin of error, which could yeah. take you out of a deficit. So it eliminates that. It creates simple because if, if I if I all of a sudden change you from 3,000 calories worth of you know calorie-dense food to 2,700 calories of nutrient-dense food, it's putting more food than you eat, can eat. So you're going to feel like an absolute failure. You're, not, you're probably going to struggle to digest it, which means your digestion is going to be shot in the pan. Mm-hmm. So it means it's easier to digest that food. They get a big quick win, which means they build momentum. And then it, it, it allows you to get basic structure, basically protein, lots of vegetables, and a little bit of carbs and fats, right? It keeps it super simple. So then after a couple of weeks, when they've learned how to train hard in the gym and they're utilizing those carbohydrates, I can go, I, I'm giving rather than taking away. Rather than going, Hey, you know, you've got into a good rhythm now and you just put momentum. Let's take 50 grams of carbs from that. Where if I add 30 to 50 grams of carbs, because you drop them away too quickly, the first six to eight weeks could be a really enjoyable process for a client where they're really seeing good strength gains in the gym. They're getting a bit of a recomp effect. They're getting into a rhythm and routine. And then we can go into a full diet. So I think there's more ways, there's a million ways to skin a cat. But I wanted to go into that as like, I don't, I want to address that thing that I don't think and going aggressive at the start as long as you have the long term in mind isn't necessarily about Yeah, it. and I think that that's the most the most important part is having that long term plan in mind. It's not like like you mentioned if you go aggressive on a diet for 8 months 
I think that those two things are opposites of each other. You can't be aggressive for eight months because if you're being aggressive, you, you should have hit your goal well before eight months. And, and if not, then it wasn't that aggressive. So like, like those things, they're not, I don't really think they're equal. You can't be on a, Unless you're well, really big. sorry, Unless you're really big, but then you probably shouldn't do your diet in one go. You exactly. Probably and, do and that's, and that's a, another kind of weeks, exception. Break, right? 12, 20 weeks break. Exactly. Exactly. I think that also people can do things for shorter periods of time. I've just done this myself and and I've talked about on the podcast before for people listening, but just to tell you, Simon, like I I gained a lot of weight last year on purpose in a, in a, in a bulk and to, (laughs) and, and to show, and to show people how to, how to lose it. But the first six weeks of this year, I, I dieted very aggressively. I was about 1400 calories, which is about a thousand, a thousand calorie deficit. And so I lost 15 ish pounds, six kilos or so in, in six weeks, but it was always from the beginning. It was six weeks and then it's done and then it's a period of maintenance and then I'll go again. But I had the after diet in mind. And so that's something I think that we don't often talk about or think about is what do I do after I diet? The diet after the diet, the after after picture, right? We see a lot of before and after pictures. What about the six months later picture? What does that look like? Because that's what really matters. And so having this a little bit longer term plan in your mind, knowing what's going to happen is I think very important. And part of the problem where these 1200 calorie diets get a lot of hate online and it's because people try and do them for a year in a row. That's the problem. Do it for yeah. a couple of weeks. If you know what you're doing and you got a plan, it's going to do you good. You get off and then, and then you're back on maintenance and back on training. And this is where the, you know, the, the anti-diet culture comes into play a little bit because, because they're thinking about thing. I, I believe that they're thinking about things in the wrong way where people are trying to do this for forever. They're placing all their self-worth in their, in their diet and in their body composition, which certainly like it's a part of it, but it's not all of it. And so demonizing dieting and, and, and praising, uh, love yourself. You're healthy all the time. And yes, you should love yourself, but you can also love yourself and want to improve your body. Like those two things are allowed and okay. And the truth of the matter is if you are 50 pounds overweight, you are not as healthy as you could be. You might be you might be healthy relatively as a huge scale, but you could be healthier. Hmm. I, I, I you, you said that so diplomatically, and I, I feel I'm going to get you rogan by, uh, <laughs> no, by go, go go for it. <laughs> now, like I, I I'll start off controversial. I'll get easier. Um, I would like I would love, and then it's never going to happen because they're not going to admit to this. I would love to see how many people that are in this anti-diet culture right now, these big and beautiful women, how many of them have failed diet or diets have failed them or they have failed diets. I, I would guess. I'm not, I'm not saying that necessarily to blame, Yeah. but I, I can imagine how many of them had a diet failed or gained more weight back and are now scarred and are now saying all dieting is a bad idea. Yeah. All diet is unhealthy because they personally have a bad experience. And they're in this world where social media where we tend to live in this bubble where we think people often think that they are the most important people in the entire world. And the, 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 the research is, especially in this COVID time, the research is overwhelming that increased BMI and increased levels of particularly visceral fat inflammation are a massive uptake in um, metabolic syndrome, metabolic syndrome, a precursor to pretty much every disease that you can potentially get. So if you, can you be big and healthy? 
Yes, on paper, I see big people that have good blood work. Bear in mind, blood work is just a snapshot of your health at that very second. It doesn't show where you're going. It doesn't really show the whole picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's, but if you certainly, there's going to be a point, there's going to be a tipping scale where that becomes unhealthy. Now we go back to expectation management. If you are generally listening to this and you are big and beautiful and you do not care, you don't want to diet, you like being big and you, you know, you, you think you're big and you're sexy and awesome, awesome. No, no issues with me. Fine. If you understand that it's not the healthiest place potentially to be, in the same way that staying absolutely shredded like a men's health cover model isn't the healthiest place to be, mm-hmm. right? If you decide, if you're in one of those extremes and you decide that I don't care, I like my life and I like living this way and I'd rather be a bit heavier than, than worry about that, then that is fine. But general, generally, the people that shout the loudest aren't those people. The people that get angry, do you remember that? I don't know if you had it in Canada, but there was a while we had that beach body ready, the protein world tub. Um, so Protein World is a uh, supplement company. I don't think it was a British company. We had these adverts all over the British tube stations in London. And it was like, are you beach body ready? And this was one of the first things I saw go viral about this big and, you know, uh, big and beautiful sort of thing where they were saying, are you insinuating that you have to look like that woman on the catalogue, on the on the poster to be beach body ready? Like you insinuate, you have, like it, it was making people feel bad. And generally my thoughts on, on, on that is like, one, every single fashion magazine in the world, I'm not saying this is right, by the way, has encouraged, you know, has, has shown people to look a certain way. He-Man looked a certain way, you know? <laughs> um, and like men's health all look a certain way. That's, I don't want to say not achievable, because I think everyone can achieve a six pack, but certainly not necessarily realistic way to live. Yeah. Um, and we, again, this is this going back to the men's confidence thing. It's like, that's not a conversation, is it? That's not a conversation that, there's a much mm-hmm. more of a conversation that Barbie or these adverts are unhealthy, but like if you said the same thing about a men's health cover model, um, you, you wouldn't get, you get laughed at the building. But I was thinking when you look at that, going back off my tangent, looking at that poster, the people who complained are people that are insecure about their own body. Yeah. Genuinely. The people that are generally big and beautiful probably walked past that poster and didn't even notice it was on the wall because they yeah. don't care about fitness to pay attention. You're right. And like, so like, I think if, if, and I'm sure someone out there will prove me wrong, throw me some stuff at me, but general, general of thumb, I think the, the problem is a whole with, with social media is that people use it to have that their agenda is more important than everyone else's agenda. If you don't want to lose weight, that's fine. That's your choice. But the problem is now it's been hijacked by, demonizing people that do that people should be ashamed in wanting to improve because you shouldn't have to like no but they want to yeah and that is absolutely fine yeah i i agree with that and i think that dieting and healthy eating has been demonized in this process when it's there's nothing wrong with the diet i mean there's plenty of like stupid diets and bad nutrition advice out there so you know take this all with a grain of salt but like yeah but but assuming what you're reading is good and all that stuff. Uh, the, the problem is not the diet. The problem is how you feel about yourself. So the issue is not that someone needs to go see a dietitian or nutritionist or whatever. That person should probably going to be seeing a psychologist or a psychotherapist or something in the mental health space, because that is, that is 
what I believe, where the issue lies is inside their brain. It's not with the diet. There's nothing wrong with the diet. People get healthy and change their lives through dietary changes all the time, every single day, every single year, forever. But we need to we need to change how we feel about ourselves before we or, or congruently at least with doing that so that we can understand that this is about getting healthy. Yeah, you're going to look better in the process, but that's almost a side effect of of getting healthy and all the other things that you mentioned about going on this fitness journey, learning about discipline and confidence and consistency and, and all these things. Those are the things that matter. Looking better is almost a is almost a side effect that's really nice and we can see it on the surface level. And so we're tricked into thinking or like ourselves are tricked into thinking that that's what the big thing is. But it's really not the most important thing when we sit down and think about it and reflect on it afterwards. You hit the nail on the head there with the fact that it's a psycho- psychology thing. And I think it's we often blame the tools. We often look to blame things external from ourselves for our problems. And, and I, I think a lot of it, a lot, a lot can be done by taking ownership. I'm not saying there's things out of control, not everything's our fault, but like, like in the old, like what Jacko Willing says, right? If you can look at where your fault is first and take extreme mm. ownership in his words, things are gonna, you tend to find more solutions. Some things you can't, but at least you're trying. And I think we often like to blame the tools. It's, it's, it's like a glass of wine in the hour, in, in, in you know in my hand on a Friday night, who has no problems with alcohol, isn't a bad thing. But I put that same glass of wine into some, in someone as an alcoholic's hand, there is a problem. The alcohol isn't the problem. Same right. thing if I if I've got a bummed up shoulder, people are addicted to pain meds. Yeah, you know. But and it, it's the same thing with people saying that tracking food is an unhealthy thing to do. Um, would anyone say that tracking your finances? is an obsessive way to think about money. Of course no, you wouldn't. It's if almost you wanted necessary. to save more money, you would look at what's going in and out of your bank account. And maybe for a period of time, you have to do this more vigorously until it becomes second nature. Your spending habits change to the point you don't need to look at your bank account as much. Now, with, with your calorie balance, it's exactly the same thing. The tracking app isn't the problem. It's how you're mentally investing in the tracking app. Now, coach out there doesn't mean you should force feed people who have eating past eating disorders my fitness pal of course maybe that's not the tool for them in that moment in time everything is a tool but i don't think that people should be claiming that the tool is the problem like demonizing the tracking apps the tracking apps don't do anything but track the food if you take that too seriously that is that is another issue that we need to sort out it's not my fitness pal's fault it's not putting calories on menus it's the problem like don't be wrong, there are people that are going to overanalyze putting calorie accounts on menus, which is a big thing that there's people having issue with at the moment. Mm-hmm. But there are more people that struggle with obesity, and that's more of a strain on the NHS, and I presume the health service where you are too. Oh, yes. Than, than there, there ever will be on the other side. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying that people who are overweight deserve more, more important than people who have eating disorders. But the person saying that you shouldn't have calorie counts on menus because people with eating disorders in the past are essentially saying the opposite, that my problem is more important than your problem. Yeah. And it's we've got to we've got to look at this as what, what is what is the bigger problem right now to 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 people's health from looking at global things. And if you aren't happy looking at calories, that's fine. Don't look at them. 
Yeah, I think I think that this all comes back to mental health and how we perceive things. These things are just tools. It's just data. Even looking at the scale is the easiest and like most simplest thing that a lot of people have a lot of fear about looking at the scale and hold a lot of emotional and self-worth in the number on the scale. And I think that, you know, it's, it's sad that that, that that happens, of course, because the number on the scale doesn't really mean anything unless you're competing in a weight based sport as a professional or semi-pro athlete. It doesn't matter. Like if you need to weigh 70 kilos to, to get in an MMA fight, yes, the weight on the scale matters a lot. Other than that, your weight doesn't actually matter whether it's 70, 71. Are you healthy? Are you at healthy body composition? Are you happy? Do you move well? Everything else is good. But we can use that as data to track are things moving in the right direction. If we're trying to lose weight and the scale is moving down, good. Is it going at the rate that we want it to be going based on the things that we agreed on that we were willing to do for the period of time that we were willing to do it? If yes, good. If not, then we need to change, like some, something's wrong, something's off. And so without that data, we don't know if something's really off. So it's important to track it as data, not as not important to use it as emotional value to, to determine our self-worth for the day, because that's the recipe for disaster. But this comes all to things that are up, up in our head. Yeah, like a question I have: If you got somebody that, I'm going to put aside extreme cases that people yeah. are really, really emotional with the scale, like yeah. big pest issues, eat disorders, etc., etc., who where maybe you would encourage them not to get on the scale, focus on other things. But for general people who are a little bit worried about the scale, is your method to go inclined to say don't go on often or go on more often? Go on more often. That's that's I my general. Hundred percent agree with you. Yeah, that's my I general think- inclination. If you want control, once a week weigh-ins, I think, cause more mental pain than daily weigh-ins. And they're just less accurate. It tells me less about what's going on. So it's almost useless. And it's useless and harmful. Imagine every Monday you got on the scale and let's say one week you went up and you freaked out and you have no idea why you went up. Exactly. You eat later. Did you have more sodium in your diet? Did you have more carbohydrates in your diet yesterday? Are you particularly stressed? Did you had a bad night's sleep? All these things and more things that could affect your weight. We don't know that because we took it once a week. Yep. If we took that daily and we saw the averages, one, we can go, doesn't matter, your average is down, who cares that you went up yesterday? Yep. Or we can start to look at trends and go, okay, by the way, do you know that went up? Every time you eat uh, 11 o'clock at night, you got 400 grams. Do you know that? Oh, cool. Girls, every one week and every month, you're going to go up on weight. So if you, if you, just took once a week weight or never took your weight. And then one time you took it and you're heavier and you're going to feel like the world is falling apart. Whereas if you took it every day for six months, you go, you step on the scale, you've gone up and you go, oh, okay, that happened last month and the month before and the month before that and the month before exactly. that. I know exactly why. So I don't worry about it. The more data you have, the more freedom you get. Structure, and this is a big body composition thing for me, structure creates freedom in everything. Mm-hmm. When you see a client on Instagram that a coach or coach or the client themselves has gone, I can eat all this food, all these carbs, I can eat ice cream, I can eat all this and still lose weight. Or if you see, um, you know, someone that's that, you know, has that freedom from the body weight scale or that person that seems to get everything done in a day and you go, how has he got so much spare time? How are they so focused and disciplined? They're not focused and disciplined. They're not, they're not um, just, you know, like have better genetics than you. Then, you know, it, it's, it's, it's down to the fact that they have structure in life that's created freedom. With the food thing, 
if someone's got structure and they've got an attention to detail with the track like we've got back and spoke about earlier on, that will allow them that when they do have a little bit of X food that they really like, they know it's that. So down the line, when you're adding more foods in, it's so easy to add these foods in because it's not going, well, I think you're on 1500, but you're actually on 1900. And what you think is 300 grams worth, you know, 150 grams of ice cream is actually 400 grams of ice cream. And you're not counting the five cookies that you had. And also you went out for five, 20 beers on Saturday night you're not been able to get all what you want and lose weight because there's no structure to the routine. If you yeah. can create structure and routine, you can get away with more uh, and enjoy those times. We, even more so, really, you enjoy the times you do let your hair down a little bit. Totally. And it doesn't knock the sides. Totally agree. And I think that having that lack of structure also makes us believe that the results are outside of our control. So if I think that I'm eating your perfect example, X amount of ice cream, but it's actually more, then you say, oh, but I'm doing everything quote unquote right and I'm still gaining weight. Why is that happening? It must not be my fault. It must be the fault of my genetics, the environment, my coach, my mom, my whoever, something that's not you. But if you have that legitimate structure, then you can say, okay, I did X and I legitimately did X and then Y happened. Good. Mm. If it if it was in the result that we wanted, then continue. If not, then I know that X was the reason why I didn't get the desired result of Y. Right. So I can change what I'm doing to get my desired result. But when we have this very lax structure or, or no structure at all, it's very easy to blame things that are not ourself. And not that you need to blame yourself in a negative way, but understand that you are in control of whatever it is that you want to happen. Yes. I, I also think it's worth unpacking that why people do this. Right. What are the reasons why people underestimate on, on calories? Now, there is the obvious one. Right. They're making mistakes. They don't have attention to detail, they're guesstimating the portion sizes, they're eating out, they're like one meal out a week or one or two meals out a week will not touch the size. If you're eating out every single day, mm-hmm. everything is takeout, even if you're eating clean, you don't know what that is. And the more often you do that, the more guesstimations you are, the higher the chance of it being off, the less control you have, the less structure you have. So there's that. But then there's also the thing that we think about is, is poor tracking management is one thing as well. When I say track management, I mean, what is the time that you're actually tracking your food intake? But I always encourage my clients to track ahead of time. So this is Tuesday night, Tuesday night, yeah, here in Hong Kong. I will track for Wednesday. That way I can plan my food around, meetings, clients, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It takes less time because rather than every time I have a meal, opening my app, waiting for it to load, searching, find the food, doing that again, which biggest people thing that people think about tracking, the reason, biggest friction we get is that it's time consuming. Most people sit in front of the television playing Candy Crush on the phone or answering emails on the toilet, right? Once we use that time productively, plan the whole day, you can get it done in two minutes. Yeah. And then you just, if anything changes, you just adjust that rather than opening your app every single time. But that way then you just eat what you say you're going to eat. What you often see people do is go, oh yeah, I haven't done my food tracking. What did he eat on Monday at lunchtime? And that's probably about 100 grams. You forget about the snacks you got. You forget yeah. about the partners, the chips off your partner's plate. You forget about the cooking oil. Forget about that latte you had in the office. But then the last reason why people have big tracking errors and that, that this is stuff that isn't talked about enough is guilt. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really important when it's a coach or whether it's just with yourself is create an environment where it's it's you you can minimize as much as possible guilt about being perfect and being on plan. We spoke about this at the start about coaches not being perfect and and, and how important it is for us to 
portray that to our clients, and this is certainly a big first step, it's creating an environment where people can tell you that they're eating their food, even when they've gone off plan in inverted commas, you know, that they don't feel they're going to get shouted at or, you know, demonized for eating, eating a bagel, for crying out loud, or they have these unreal expectations of what they need to do. Like, because some people come in and go, I've got to eat chicken and broccoli. I've got to eat this. I've got to eat five times a day. I've got to eat intermittent fasting. I've got to do keto. I've got to do carnival. And one of the things I always, I think is a big mission of mine with my clients is that I'm going to teach you what's important. And I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to outline the tools that we can use to go there. Yeah. Now it could be high carb. It could be low carb. It could be keto. It could be carnival to a degree. We've got Got issues and that I wouldn't probably wouldn't cut up fiber entirely, but the there's many tools to get that job done and what you enjoy. But I never want anyone sitting there going, Oh, I lost weight because I did low carb, and it's the carbs that are the problem. Right. Now you're in a position where if you have a tiny, if you have one slice of bread, you hit the fuck it button and you eat the whole loaf plus <laughs> plus a whole pack of roses chocolates. Whereas you probably could have fit it in with your calories and it was fine. And don't worry, it's okay. And just taking that guilt away from food for people is 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 huge. I had a client that's um, put his check in this week of what was his wins that he doesn't eat emotion anymore, and that was that was more important to me than than anything he did in terms of his results. And his result was unreal. Um, but it was just that thing was like he now has control of his food. He knows what's important and what's not, and. I think that's such an important thing. And now he has a thing where, like, you know, even for a while, he was told for ages for coaches in his hometown of Serbia, this is a good food. You've got to eat this. You can't eat that. That is a bad food. And this just created this moment that he was either on his diet or he's off his diet. When all of a sudden you say, no, that's not bad food. It's not the, you know, there are more nutrient-dense foods that have fiber that make you feel better. It's not a bad food. Right. And it just opens, it just takes away this weight off the shoulders when the client understands that, that yes, you can eat whatever you want to lose weight, but you understand that if you just try to do, fill all your calories for the Pop-Tarts, you're going to feel like death. The diet's not going to be as enjoyable as you think. Believe me, I've done diets where there's been a lot of ice cream in it and they're not enjoyable. You're hungry, you're tired, you feel like you're hungover all the time from just eating poor, nutritionally rubbish food. When you start to piece together those things, you get to the point where you go, I call it the Snickers bar analogy. If someone wants a Snickers bar, I go, yeah, you can have the Snickers bar. The Snickers bar, is, let's say, three, I don't know how much calories the Snickers bar is, but let's say it's 250 calories in the Snickers bar. And then you go, okay, you can have that Snickers bar, but you need to buffer 350 calories for the rest of your day. Um, and, you know, at the, if you do that, you can have the Snickers bar. And then it's their choice to then go, yeah, I really want the Snickers bar. There's no yeah. guilt. I factored in, we're all good. As opposed to all, they go, they look at it and go, do you know what? If I if I buffer out those 250 calories, I lose so much food. Do you know what? I'm not, I don't want that Snickers bar. It ain't worth it. And now it's not, coach told me not to have a Snickers bar. It's like, I weighed up the pros and cons and I came to a decision using the, um, and the analogy of, of finances again. No one says that if you're trying to save money, you can't buy a Rolex. But understand, if you bought a Rolex, you're probably going to be eating um, Tesco value baked beans for the next week. If you're okay doing that and it fits into your budget, you can do that and save money. But you may weigh up and go, actually, I want to eat a little bit better, so I'm not going to have the Rolex, and then it's easier to save money. Um, 
exactly the same rules apply with dieting. And knowing that doesn't mean like, if I'm, I'm a great example because I'm not always brilliant at saving money. I don't look at my dieting. I can never buy this. I can never buy that. I look at it and go, if I buy that, what is the trade-off? Hmm. And I, now I don't feel a slave to it. And if I do make an impulse buy, I, there is reason and it's fine and I'll make more money. Yeah, I know. I, I love the way that you laid that out. I think it really, it all comes down to education and understanding and, and true education, not knowing that, okay, yes, eat this, no, eat that, because that doesn't help you live your life. That just helps you you know, get through a checkpoint. If you're, you know, prepping for a bodybuilding competition and you don't want to be educated and you just need your coach to tell you exactly what to do and you're not going to ask any questions and you're going to follow it to a T, then by all means, just do that. For 99% of everyone else, you need to understand how to live your life. So you need to understand why things are working the way you're, way they're working. If you want, if you choose to follow a low carbohydrate diet and you think that that's going to work for you, fantastic. Go at it. Just understand that it's not the lack of carbohydrates that's making you lose weight. Understand the actual mechanism of, of what's going on. This way you, like Simon mentioned, you know, you have the freedom to have a piece of toast when you really want it. You really want that. You can have that and you know that it's not, you know, time to hit the fuck it button and have a whole piece, whole pizza and, and just, and just go, go all out because, oh my God, I had one carb, so I might as well have all the carbs. That's not, that's not what it is. It's about education and understanding what's actually happening. Co- coaches too, though you mentioned, it's not like not like coaches where they can be robotic. How many coaches do you know have bad relationships with food? But probably more than like a higher percentage of coaches than regular people, I would say. Yeah, hundred percent. We we all get into this industry because we feel inadequate about the way we look. <laughs> yeah, and we all have this responsibility that we have to look fantastic and shredded and chiseled all the time, and. You know, uh, it, we, we coaches have worse relationship with food than anyone. I think if anyone could learn a lesson of being inclusive with your food choices, one of the things I've always said, and I've, and I've you know, if anyone follows me on Instagram, you know, when I decide to get lean, I get very, very, very lean. And I, I've always said that I'm, I will never take that out on my partner. It wasn't her choice to diet. If she wants to go out to dinner, either I don't eat, and I've made that choice, or... I find something on the menu, we'll look ahead of time, and I make sure it works. Yeah. Because it's not my decision to, and I've done that. I, I've been the guy that's brought Tupperware boxes to a funeral. I was that dickhead. But like, it's not my responsibility to take my diet on anyone else. I chose mm-hmm. this. So I think more coaches can also learn about being more inclusive with food and understand that they don't need to eat like a 1990s bodybuilder fish and a rice cake for four or five times a day in order to get in shape. I, 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 don't, I don't think that's necessary. Yes, you've got to be willing to grind. And yes, you've got to be willing to be a bit hungry. But it doesn't necessarily mean your life has to suck. Yeah. You're, you're Until like, you're really late stages and you're walking around like a zombie no matter what you eat. But exactly. I don't mind and, and those are for people who are getting very lean, like you said. Most people are don't really have aspirations to get that lean or they think they do. But when they finally, when they get a sniff of what it takes to get there, they're okay. No, not for me, but, and and that's, and that's totally fine. No one, no one needs to be that lean all the time year round. I think the other side of this, and we kind of touched on it with the anti-diet thing a little bit is, Oh, have the Snickers bar, have the, have the chocolate cake, intuitive eating, give into your, you know, your body wants it. You can have it. And it's like, okay, yes, but not all the time. You, you have to still be in control. And if you just give in every time, that's how you got to where you were in the first place. You were already intuitive eating. How is intuitive eating going to eat your way out of this? It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Intuitive eating is, and, and I think I used the word advanced incorrectly earlier, but I was 
say that now intuitive eating is an advanced thing because if you just follow your intuition, if I think about what I want to eat right now, I want to eat pizza and I want to, and I want a burger. That's going to make me feel like crap after. And I know that, but if I just follow my, my intuition, well, based on how I feel in this moment and not think about the future, that's what I want. And that's not going to get me towards my goal. And I'll get worse and worse and worse through there. I think intuitive eating comes second on my list. That's sustainable of the worst marketing <laughs> terms. Like, like intuitive for who? Yeah. I, I, you know, like if, if you leave me to intuitively eat, I will eat Subway cookies all day. <laughs> and I'm a coach. Um, they are the best cookies, aren't they? They, they break apart and they melt. Awesome. But a, a buddy of mine they, managed to buy managed to buy a uh, the oven that they use, and then has a way to <sighs> make the cookies. They're fantastic. But oh, I need to I need to make friends with this friend. <laughs> um, but like it, it's um, but yeah, that's the thing. Like intuitive eating, if it, it's 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 like it's the same arguments the same. What you feel is sustainable at the start of your journey is not what your value as things to sustain at the end. What you think is an intuitive way of eating is not the same as the new habits you and people. But it's, it's an identity change. People sometimes are mm-hmm. str- like struggle to let go of their old identity, and this is where environment plays a huge role in this. And I think this is a huge thing in terms of people's confidence. And if we can surface back to to men's confidence in particular, but. I, I, it's a shame that I've, I've never had a transformation client go through the entire result without at least one issue with someone in the support network not mm. being supportive, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Ooh, you've done so good. You might as well have a slice of pizza. Or why are you eating that weird food? Weird food just being healthy food, right? Yeah. Whilst you're eating, you know, pot noodle and telling me my weird food. Or, oh, you're looking a little skinny. You know, be careful you're not losing too much muscle. Or, oh, you're doing that diet? I've heard that diet isn't healthy. Like, all these little things. Oh, you look a bit, oh, are you okay? Like, <laughs> it, it's all either conscious or subconscious ways of people, people portraying their own insecurities on you. Yeah. And I think... It's a difficult thing when someone's never done this before and they need the support of their peers more than ever and they hear these things and it gets in their head because maybe they haven't got the experience and the confidence to go, I chose this goal, I don't care what you think. Like when I'm dieting now, that stuff doesn't really bother me. You know, I didn't get it too much here, but I, I, did, I did get it here when I was on a, a junk boat, which is like a party boat here in Hong Kong, about two weeks out from my photo shoot. I was very lazy at the time. And this is one girl I hadn't met. It was none of my friends. So it didn't really bother me more. It was like, oh, he must do like a thousand push-ups a day. I'm like, go away. Yeah. You know, like, like, like you make a big assumption about me and who you think I am based off the physique I currently have. Yeah. Um, but it, it's difficult for people who that's out of their comfort zone. If I worked, if I, if I wanted to learn more, again, I used to finance manager with me. If I wanted to learn more about money and I go into like a big investment bank and I, I got people insinuating that I was an idiot, I probably wouldn't want to come back. Right. And, and I think that that is a, that that's something that we, as coaches, we can just support our clients, let people know ahead of time that this is going to happen and how to deal with it. But if there's anyone here that's got friends that are dieting, like this is a, this is a call to reach out, support them and just be that support network for them. And, and, be the person that goes and buys them a lime or soda when everyone's having a beer. Don't make, don't be the dick that tries to force them to go, oh, come on, mate, just have one. Or you no, know, that sort of stuff. 
because it, it, it doesn't help. And these are people that generally want to change their lives for the better. Um, and that's always the case. And, and going back to, I said, a circle onto the men thing is that's even worse with, with men in, 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 in all aspects of life where men are much more peer pressury in society and they, the men at the other end of that don't talk. Mm-hmm. Girls won't necessarily force feed their friends drinks, but guys will. Yes. And got and and and, and junk you know, food. And junk food, particularly, but booze is way worse. Like you don't want to be the one drinking not drinking all last night out, right? Yeah. And guys often don't talk about when they're struggling with things. And guys don't talk about when they're dieting often. Still, it's very true. It's, it's we, we have this, it's like the that crabs in the bucket analogy, right? You put a bunch of crabs in a bucket and they'll never get out because as soon as one crab tries to climb out, the other crabs at the bottom will will clip it down or, or claw it down and, and, and take it I down. Like yeah. I think I think the story is something like, you know, there's a fisherman had a bucket of crabs and left the bucket just open. And then someone walking by said, hey, you should put a lid on that or like, you know, make sure that the crabs don't escape. And he said, no, don't worry. Uh, they they won't. And so the man watched the crabs in the bucket over time. And every time a crab would try and climb out, the ones at the bottom would just pull it back down and prevent it from ever getting out. And they would, you know, claw and gnaw at each other or whatever it is that crabs do to prevent them from, from increasing. And, but, but I love that. I love that thing that you just said about, about supporting each other. And I'll, I'll even take it one step further in that I personally want to get away from using the term healthy lifestyle. Because to me, that that means that that is abnormal and that healthy lifestyle is something different, is something strange, something not the norm. Where a healthy lifestyle that includes regular exercise, healthy whole foods, good relationships, time in nature, that should be what's normal. That is just lifestyle. And then there's lifestyle and then unhealthy lifestyle of drinking, drugs, staying up late, bad relationships, bad food, no movement, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that, that is the shift that, that I'm trying to make. I know that this is again, like semantics kind of thing, but that this is a way that I think I would like people to start thinking about things that it's not weird to be healthy. It's not weird to eat real foods, not weird to exercise. Like asking someone, like you said, Oh, you must do a thousand pushups a day. Even if you did that, like, so what, what you're not going to go up to someone and say, Oh, I bet you could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. But it's like, you're not going to go up to someone who's a little bit overweight or even someone who just looks weak, let's say someone who looks like they've never been to the gym and say, I bet you watch four hours of Netflix a day. Don't you? You would never say that. No one would ever say that. But, but that is abnormal to human behavior. That's such a fair point. It's such a fair point. If I did that the other way around, I go, I bet you can eat 40 cheeseburgers in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be in trouble. Right. Yeah. But when you're in shape, because people assume People have this assumption of you in shape, you're confident, you're in shape, you could be taken down. People who, who are successful in any aspect, and I'm not saying that I'm successful in dieting, but I can just get pretty neat. But we take it, you know, people like to pull down. Look at Joe Rogan recently. People like to pull yeah. down people above them. People are more successful. People do not, a lot of people, not everybody, of course, but a lot of people do not like to see other people succeed. Yeah. And that is just a re, an inevitable fact of being um getting going further in anything and it's something that i've learned i've i've, I've learned to deal with in some aspects and and and, and getting better at it um but i i want to go back to your point there because I, I i really agree with you about the healthy eating being shouldn't be considered a different thing oh, I'm on a diet or i'm healthy eating or something like that. like what what why why can't like all those things should be but i'll take that one step further again and just be like what what would you define as a healthy 
lifestyle. I would I would define it as someone who's eating mostly real foods, not things mm-hmm. that are from packages or that are like overly processed. Someone who moves their body every day. Doesn't have to be lifting in the gym. Obviously, I think, you know, you and I are both biased towards preferring that type of exercise, but going for a walk, doing a dance class, doing whatever, some type of exercise and movement, having mm-hmm. good, healthy relationships in your life with your family and loved ones and, and people around you. Um, what else? Spending time in nature. I think that's a good one. Having good mental health and taking care of that and actively taking care of that. And yeah. I think financial health would also be part of that as well. But, you know, going off on like a little bit more of a tangent there, but, but having those things in check that that kind of defines a healthy lifestyle to me. Yeah, because I think there's, there, there, there's to a degree, there's nuance in this, right? And of I think, course. like, I think you, you you have the overview and the foresight and the experience to be able to look at things like getting outside, having good relationships. Some people wouldn't like, consider that as healthy. Someone's right. first thought was like, I've got to be dieting, I've got to eat less food. And then the, if, if you're trashing your mental health by this racks with guilt every time you go and have something off that, going back to what we were saying before, you know, like, is that now healthy? And if we look at something like um, sort of being in a bad relationship, because they feel they should be, that's not necessarily healthy either. And I'd, I'd also, like, you mentioned being things about being unhealthy lifestyle, like drink and drugs. Again, looking back to the tool, is a drink bad? Is it unhealthy? Necessarily. Right. It, yeah. So, so the nuance there would be like the abuse of it, right? The overuse, the abuse of it, using it to yes, cope with something else. If you're drinking every night, you know, whatever. Right. I, I know a lot of people that take anabolic steroids who are some of the healthiest people I've ever known in my whole entire life. Right. They pick their poison. Right. I know a lot of people that experiment with hallucinogenic drugs. Um, and like, and they use it to for massive benefits in yes. their mental health. Other people use it to go to a rave. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying either's bad. Each their own. But like this, this. It, we, 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 we tend to want to put label on things and, th- and think labels and things sometimes put huge amounts of pressure on people. And I, I, I will never judge anyone that says, I don't want to touch a magic pressure in my life. Right. In the same way that I will never judge anyone that goes, I want to expand my mind and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm risk reward. Snickers bar analogy for drugs. Snickers right. bar analogy for mental health. You know, it's, it, I, think, I think a true healthy lifestyle is to be able to know where your boundaries are, know where your values are, and live by those and do something that's going to help you with longevity, which includes all of the things that you just mentioned. But that's, it's so individual and nuanced. And I, so I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things is like, we shouldn't, it, it almost, um, what I was trying to do is almost go a step further for your point. It's like healthy lifestyle, unhealthy lifestyle, lifestyle, set expectations based on where you want to do, how long you want to live, what longevity you're going to have. And, not put people in boxes anymore. Right. Right. I think, I think that's a good, that's even a better way to sum it up because there is so much nuance and so much individuality here. I think maybe a better example of, of, you know, just mentioning drinking is like you're out at the bar and someone says, Simon, you want a beer? And you say, no, no, thank you. I'm not drinking. And then the question will be, Oh, well, why don't you drink? As if, as if it's, as if you should be drinking and you're the old one out. Yeah, whether you should or shouldn't is is neither here nor there, and, and and it's to each their own. But the expectation that you should be doing it is is strange when we know that like in just you know pure physiological like drinking alcohol not good for your health. Fine, maybe it's helping you socially and all that stuff. And there's you know whatever different conversation, but um, 
it shouldn't be the it shouldn't be the norm. If you go out for dinner, everyone's ordering everyone's ordering cheeseburgers and fries and all this stuff, and you'll say, "No, I'd like to have a, a steak and salad, please." Or or even that, you order whatever. Everyone gets fries as their side. You get a salad. Oh, what's are you dieting? What's wrong with you? No, I just don't want fries. Like, why does that I have to think be the person weird? the person that always has the salad every single time without fail? Um, I would argue is also unhealthy. I I would agree with that because they're not allowing themselves. There's, there's other things that are happening there. Yeah. And, and, and there are, there are people out there that I just generally enjoy salads and hate burgers. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, like, there's oh, unlimited oh, oh, oh. nuance to this. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I'm a huge fan of honest burger in the UK. So I might not be inviting them out on Friday night, but I don't judge them. Yeah, exactly. But you're not, but you're not having it every day and you are taking care of your body and you're, and you're doing those things with your eyes open. That's, I think that's the biggest thing. And something that we've come back to, many times throughout this conversation where it's like do whatever you want just understand the consequences of your actions and understand what your goal is that you're trying to achieve if those things line up if you're willing if you're willing to pay the price so to speak of your the of your actions then go ahead if not then don't do it or do it but don't you can't you can't complain about the 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 end result afterwards didn't I say at the start of this podcast how important expectation setting is? We've come yeah. back to it about eight times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think, and it's 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 very true. And and I and you know I think it's a very important, very 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 important thing. But it's also a difficult thing. And this is where like having a coach and, and educating yourself properly 100%. really really comes into play. And and conversations like this as well like help people to just start to think about these. And and I think the value is mainly helping people to ask better questions. And get out your own head. I, yes. I, I, I have a coach, shout out to Blake West. Um, and it, it's an element of getting out of your own head. You know, I'll look at it from a more science perspective, from a more advanced style. Like, oh, I think I'm looking a bit flat. I need a refeed. Do I? Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. And if, if you know, if with, from a client perspective, it's like when they freak out when the weight goes up, right? We're not saying earlier on about the weight, fluctuation weight, we want to get people free from it, but it doesn't mean you're never going to get emotional from getting from the scale. Yes, we can tell you every day that your weight is just the effect of gravity on you in that moment. But it doesn't, I still do it. I get the scale and I go up and I go, oh. But I, 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 I stop and I realize. But some days you have bad days. Some days you look in the mirror and go, man, I look fat today. And other days you look shredded and you change the glycogen, sodium, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But I, I think having someone to give you that little bit of accountability, keep on the straight and narrow, just to get you out of your own head is so valuable. I think, I think everybody will benefit from a coach if they if they want, not even if they want to get super lean. I, I, I see a lot where people, clients go, um, I trained for myself for a few months first and I'm, I'm not quite ready for a coach yet. And I was, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> that's like backwards. surely that's the entire point of a coach. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. This is why people think, right? So I think it's, I think it's, I think everyone can benefit from. And I'm not just pushing. Don't don't necessarily sign hire me. Like hire whoever you like. I can. Yeah. If you said Simon, I want a coach. I listened to that podcast and I went. I thought you. I thought that you had a point about having a coach, but I really don't want to work with you because I find you an annoying prick. I'm like, cool. Here's a list of ten. Yeah. Exactly. You know, not everyone's gonna like me. Some people will, some people won't. But I do think people will benefit and find someone that resonates with them that helps them to the journey. For sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's a two way street for sure, right? Like uh, all coaches, we all not we all, but the hard knowledge it, it's accessible to everyone. 
the difference between coaches is how you teach that to individuals and how you cater it to individuals. And maybe it's some things outside of gym and fitness and whatever that you get along about. Maybe someone looks at me and I don't like your beard. So I don't, you know, whatever, we're not going to get along and fine. Like, you know, it, it is what it is, but there's, there's someone kind of for everyone and we can tailor what we need to do to each person, individual approach, you know, always and, and with everything. I, I, I am friends with coaches specifically for their beards. After that. <laughs> I, 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 one of the, one of the main reasons why I, 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 I like having chats with Jordan Shallow is because his beard's better than mine. It's I, a phenomenal beard. I don't, I don't, he's good at strength coaching. He's a nice dude. He doesn't really matter. He's just got a really, really good beard. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the reason why I, I, I've, I've, I've forged a relationship with him. Um, no, all, all jokes aside, I say this, there's always somebody that can, that, that will resonate with you. And I think it's, it's good to have a sounding board, especially in a, I know we're, both in lockdown worlds, but certainly in this lockdown world, it's like we spoke about the negatives of social media a little bit over the course of this podcast. I think one of the things I think I've been very proud to do is use social media for positive things during this pandemic that I wouldn't have done before. Yeah. Like pre-lockdown, I would have just hung out with the people around me. I probably wouldn't have connected with people. I have made friends. Like I, I know you entirely through social media. And like, mm-hmm. you know, many of my podcast guests I know entirely through social media. And I think you can see social media as negative. And I think you've got to be aware, again, going back to expectation management, aware of the negative downsides of, of, of what you see on social media and the, maybe unfollowing a few people that have a bad influence. But I, I think there is a huge power in using social media for the right way and connecting with good, like-minded individuals that you can have good conversations with. Like You don't have to, going full circle back into the podcast chat, you don't have to set up your own podcast to have a good conversation with people. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of people out there that if even though I didn't click record, would ha- you know, I could have a go, hey, do you want to just jump on a Zoom and have a conversation? Yeah. It's a weird thing to ask, but you know what? I bet if you asked 10 people that you met over DMs, you know, that, that aren't creepy and sending you unsolicited <laughs> pictures, the normal ones, that to do that, you'd make some great friends. Yeah, um, and I think that's something that's really been really one of the best things that's come out of the lockdown is it's made the world more accessible yeah. i find it very strange now when a client doesn't have zoom yes it's exactly and 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 going back to again something else that we talked about circling back and trying to tile this all up social media is just a tool it's not good bad or otherwise it can be used for very good things and you can use it in a really bad way as well and it's up to you as to, as to how that goes, because, you know, again, you are in control. You can just hit unfollow. You see a bunch of negative people, stuff you don't like, don't follow those people. And if that's me, don't follow me. But if you see positive things, then follow those people, engage with those people and, and, and reach out to them and have genuine conversations. It's, it's social. It's not just nonsense. It's, it's supposed to be social and creating connections. At the risk, at the risk of, 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 of making your followers think I wear a tinfoil hat. If you want to have a more relaxed life, unfollow most of mainstream media on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I, you want I, to read the news. The don't follow the go, news. Don't read the news. If you want to read, if you want to go and read the news, go out your way to read it. Yes. Like, don't be in a position where, um, you know, we have this thing called the South Charlie Morning Post, Morning Post here, and I'm, because of the national security, I'm not going to smash it. <laughs> but they do this thing with the highlights in yellow, the scariest words. Wow. And and like this sort of stuff, you know, and. You know, I, I know in your part of the world, how many of your media companies have correspondents that profit from war, have backers that have profited from medicines. Yeah. And like, I say, I don't want that to be my news source. I will go out and find it. Um, exactly. Don't I, let it just bombard you and hit you. Be in control. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing we spoke about earlier on about like, you know, whether it's a guy looking at if your 
feed is full of shredded men's health care models. If that motivates you, awesome. I've got some people I follow just for that. If you're new in this journey and you're sitting there feeling really bad about yourself because everyone on your newsfeed is in better shape than you, maybe unfollow seven of them. Because yeah. um, 20 years ago, you know, you compared yourself to Dave down the road that had a boat. And I yeah. want to be like Dave down the road. Whereas now I get to compare, you know, people like four times as good as Dave anywhere in the world on their private jets, but only seeing the higher reel. I don't see the argument Dave has with his wife anymore. I don't see the, the lack of sleep he's having because of his children. I see the private jet with the Instagram filter on it. And I think the it's, it's, it's been aware of that on social media. Um, aware of that on social media without judging it as well. Like we talked about earlier about the body confidence movement where we now have this thing in the fitness industry where everyone is bending in these weird angles and contorting themselves to show their roles and go, look, I'm normal too. I'm like... <laughs> Go away. Yeah. You have no empathy for somebody who struggled with their weight the whole entire life. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like, as you said, social media tool. I think it can be really powerful and it can be really bad, but I think it's just like knowing where, what what affects you and, and actually putting in the right steps not to be, not let those things control you. Yeah, I totally agree. And well said, but I think it's time to to, to wrap this, wrap this up. It's, oh my it's, God, it's, 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 yeah, it's time, time flies. I know that you know this through podcasting, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely do it again. And maybe we'll do one on, uh, on your show as well, but oh, uh, we'll rattle off your there. social media and stuff where people can find you and all that stuff. I'll put it all in the show notes as well. Cool. So um, easiest place to find me is uh, at Kingsley Dutton on Instagram. My name is Simon though. I get so many DMs that tell me, Hey Kingsley, how are you going? My middle name is Kingsley. Just easy to find on Instagram. At Kingsley Dutton, D-U-T-T-O-N on Instagram. That's where I'm mostly active. Um, send me a message. I'm generally very friendly. Um, and then after that, the self-made podcast um, on any platform that you enjoy. YouTube, Spotify, Apple. That's been my pride and joy. I've really, really enjoyed that. I'm looking to really push that over the next few years. And um, other than that is if you just want to look at working with me, madecoaching.com is my coach company, which is getting a big revamp soon to include um, membership site options, uh, you know, lower tier programming options, as well as the, the, the high ticket coaching that I normally do. So stay tuned. There'll be a lot of content coming very, very soon with my brand new camera that I've got just there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much where to find me. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll be sure to put those in the show notes. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And, and for the conversation, is there anything else that you want to leave the people with here in closing? Oh man, that, 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 that put me on the spot, right? <laughs> um, I, I, I suppose for, for looking at where my niche is and looking at like trying to improve guys' confidence is reach reach out for help if you are struggling in any way in this time, whether that is reaching out to someone to improve your mental health, whether that's reaching out to a coach, or, or you feel like you're stagnant in life. Um, there's a, one of my favorite podcasts I go called Chris Williamson uh, called, called Modern Wisdom. And he often talks about something called the manopause where when people get to around about 30, I'm going through this, where they have all their priorities in life change. And, you know, guys thought you were bodybuilding at 24 and now start doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at 31, you know, like it happens all the time. 
But again, it's people don't speak about those things and find themselves, get themselves very stuck. And I feel that good conversation has helped me overcome nearly everything in my life. So I think if there's anything that, that's a, a takeaway, it's, it's, it's just whatever, whatever, whatever you're going through, find your support network, your genuine support network and, and have good conversations like this. Beautifully said, man. Thank you very much. I, I very much appreciate your time. We'll leave it there and leave the rest for next time. No Thank problem. Anytime we'll uh, sort of return. We'll, we'll sort of your away trip next time. Yeah, yeah, we will. We will. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure you're following Simon on social media. Tune into the Self Made Podcast as well. All the links to everything will be in the show notes. Give me a follow on Instagram as well at Daniel Yoris. Um, podcast rating, review, share with a friend, all that good stuff. Go outside, be a good person, manage your expectations, and that's it. Take it easy. <laughs>